We begin a new series today, Connected, My Life in the Church, the gift of membership into the church that is made possible through Jesus Christ. Turn with me, if you will, to the letter of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, and we're going to be looking in chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 17 through 22, Connected in Christ, Your Life in the Church. Now, this letter of Ephesians can be broken into two sections, two sections. The first three chapters have to do with what God has done for believers in Christ. That's the first three chapters. It's so Christologically written beautifully, and it's what God has done for believers in Christ. The chapters 4 through 6 have to do with what God tells believers to do or how to live in Christ after receiving Christ and what he has done. He talks about how we've, we have a new life in Jesus Christ, a new society, new standards for living, new relationships. So Ephesians tells the Christian life of faith before conversion, and we're going to look at that, just mention that today, how this conversion took place in Christ and what the life of the converted one looks like in Christ and in the community of the church. That is Ephesians in a nutshell, so to speak. But I'm going to ask if you will turn with me again to Ephesians 2, 17 through 22. And if you will, if you are physically able, stand with me in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word today. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him... You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All of his children said today, Amen. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice as we have assembled today in what you have done to give us access to our Creator. We thank you for the love and how you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places through your only begotten Son, our Savior and elder brother, Jesus Christ. Now, O Lord, as Christ is that chief cornerstone, would you build us up even more today in the faith and add to your church. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. In these verses, the Apostle Paul here continues to deliver the announcement of the Christian life. If you will, this is our spiritual biography that he writes. And he says in the verses that we just read that we were refugees, we were strangers, we were aliens, we were far away from God the Father, our Creator. There was a gap between us and our Creator and there had to be a bridge built, and Jesus Christ built that bridge. 
And it says that Christ came and preached peace. And He brought peace to Jew and Gentile. And when He says to those who were far away and to those who were near, He was speaking to those who were near of the Jewish nation who had been called out. He told Abram, Abraham that He would bring out of him many people, a nation. And that was the Jewish nation. They had been near to Jehovah God through the covenants of old. And he said he also brought uh, us near who were far away, all other people of the world that were not Jewish people, who had not lived under the old covenants that God had made with his people, but through the new covenant of Jesus Christ and his blood at the cross, he made peace for all men. Two people, Jew and Gentile, are now given a new position and a new community. And through the love of God the Father, through the redeeming work of our Savior Jesus Christ, and by the drawing and leading power of the Holy Spirit, we are now, he proclaims, citizens of the kingdom of God. We're members of God's family. And we are also stones in God's temple being built together into a place where God lives. What a gift. Aren't you glad that Christ came and preached peace to us? As he says in verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you. What does that mean? Was that speaking of Jesus' earthly ministry? That began at around the age of 30 and where he went preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the kingdom of God has come. Was it the prophets of old, even before the incarnation of Christ, the message of the coming Messiah and how he would bring peace and justice to the world? Was this message proclaimed at the cross as Jesus Christ hung on the cross and shed his blood for our peace? Was it his post-resurrection proclamation after he had risen from the dead and he spoke peace to the disciples and many others? Was it the ongoing preaching and teaching of the apostles and the early church where many thousands were added to the church daily as they proclaimed peace through Jesus Christ, the risen Savior? Is it still the church today? that we proclaim that true peace is only found through faith in Jesus Christ, that He is the Prince of Peace. And the answer to that is yes, 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 yes. He came and preached peace to us. It is the message of the Bible. It is the message of time until He returns. Christ is our peace, and He has made peace through the blood of His cross for us. And to those who have received this wonderful peace, being at peace with their Creator, it says in the verses that we read today, the Apostle wrote that Christ has given us access to God the Father. I can think of no other privilege that is greater for a person to say, I have access to the creator of this universe who knew me before the foundation of this world. Now, everybody, or most people will say they have access to God, but I want to tell you, 
The Bible teaches that access to God only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Not everybody has access to God. They can, but they don't. Access comes through faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And Christ has given us access to the Father. You know, uh, you think about that great privilege. A few years ago, we went. a group of us from church went to Washington, D.C. for Veterans Day. It was a wonderful trip, and we walked by the White House. You know, I didn't have access to there. And you, you wouldn't either unless you were personally invited. But if I'd walked in and said, I'd like to meet with the president, I don't have that access. But his family has that access. Now, I do have access to home. And not only do I have access, I'm expected to come home. And, and you know what's a joy? I'm welcomed there most of the time. And, and what a joy it is to come into the church and to be welcomed here. I have access to where you're at right now. And not only that, I'm expected to be here. And not just as a pastor, but as a child of God, to be with you on the Lord's Day to worship together. God has given us this access through Jesus Christ at all times, night or day, 24-7, we can call upon our Heavenly Father in prayer. We are His beloved through Jesus Christ. And He's given that not only to the Jew, but to the Gentile alike. Every tribe, every tongue, and every nation around the world has access to God the Father through Jesus the Son by the power of God the Holy Spirit. And when we have access to God through faith in Jesus Christ, we have a new position in Christ. And we are brought into a new community of people through Christ, and that is the church. And this is part of the great gift and privilege of being a part of the church. In Christ, Paul writes, we have become these things. One, we've become citizens of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. What a glorious thing. We're no longer spiritual refugees or aliens or strangers as he called us, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God that will last and stand in glory and strength and power forever and ever, and we will dwell there. And that has begun now. Yes, we are citizens of this country, but truly our citizenship is in heaven, the kingdom of God. And we're given access to it. We are made citizens through Jesus Christ. We are also members of God's family through adoption. He has adopted us through the work of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture that we see of grace when one is adopted here below. And to think of that glorious truth that God adopted us. He chose us and He pulled us to Himself. Why would Jesus adopt me? I don't have an answer for that. But God lovingly adopted me. 
and I have access to Him. What a grace, what a gift, what a privilege. But I don't have an answer for that. I'm not deserving to be called of the family of God, but yet that's a gift God has given me through Jesus Christ. It's a gift of grace. He also says that we are stones in the temple, a temple that God is building and dwells. Not a physical temple, but people. And Jesus is the cornerstone on which we are being built through the working of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Here on the streets, one of the streets in Berea, I was driving through, cutting through some back streets uh, to, to try to get around on all the main road work. And uh, I know you all love all that as much as I do. And, uh, but I saw someone, they're building a, a little head wall that I would call. And uh, as I was at the stop sign, I was watching uh, the, the craftsman, if you will, build those stones and put them together. I saw one person do that years ago when I was working at Richmond Utilities, and we enjoyed driving by and watching him each day. Uh, Just a master craftsman taking each stone and placing it to fit and build together. God is doing that through you and I, brother and sister. He is the master craftsman. He is the master builder. He takes you and I and He places us together and is building His temple where He dwells, not only in our hearts individually, but also in the life of the local church and in the life of the church universal. He places us together. Isn't that wonderful? But when you're a citizen, when you're a member, when you're a part of the building, that also means that comes with family responsibilities. Most of us under a certain age don't know what I'm about to say, but some of you that are over a certain age, you understand, or maybe you came from a different place uh, and were raised in a different way, and you had family responsibilities. And and let me make something very straight clear here. I'm not talking about chores that mom and dad gave you to make you a better person, which is good. I'm talking about some of you know what it means to have to have responsibilities for the well-being and success for the family to eat that night. Some of you know what that means. Most of us don't. That if you didn't perform your job, your, if you didn't do your responsibility given for today, the family suffered. And so it is with the church. We have responsibilities because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Because we are in the family of God. Because we are a part of the temple being built up. And what happens when we don't play our part? When we don't give of our teaching, of our time, of our talents, of our treasures, of our love, of our resources, and of our encouragement? What happens when we don't play our part in doing those things? Well, the kingdom suffers glory. I'm not saying God's kingdom is weakened, but it's weakened here. What happens when we don't take uh, the beautiful privilege and gift of being a part of the church seriously or being having a new position in Christ? The family suffers. And brothers and sisters, the American church is suffering today.
And even, I'm just speak for the Southern Baptists, we claim 15 to 16 million members around the world, but on any given Sunday, you're talking 8 to 9 million are in services. That's a big gap. And many churches are suffering. They're closing their doors each month. Churches in America are closing their doors. We all have a responsibility. We have duties to share with each other, to be a part of that building that God is building up for His glory. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, and what a privilege and gift that is, but it also means it comes with duty and responsibility. We're part of the family of God, but that also means we don't just come to church every once in a while when it's convenient, but we are the church. We play our part so that the family will not suffer. And the family will have what it needs for success. You see, God has created a people to be connected to a community in order to carry out His commission. Look at that again. Christ has created a people. He's given them a new position, access to God the Father, to be connected to a community in order that we might carry out His commission. We are connected together in Christ. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. Uh, I've heard so uh, many illustrations of the day that we live in and it says that we're in the postmodern world, in the post-church world, and unfortunately we are in the post-church age. Too many people believe that they can be a very successful and great Christian without the church. Well, you can be saved without the church. I'll agree with that. But I wouldn't say you're a successful Christian without the church. And many believe today that the church is an unnecessary thing or an unimportant thing or even something, actually something that is very negative in Christianity. And to say that we like Jesus, but we don't like the church. Well, the church is his bride. It's his body. Men, how would it go over if you said to your wives, well, your face is nice, but your body's horrible. How would that go over? Not well. And so many are saying to Jesus, we like your face, Jesus, but we hate your body, the church. Some don't feel that being a part of a local church is important, but I want to tell you that's not the message and the teaching of the Bible. And I don't say this often, but I'll say this today. If, if you can teach that to me that I'm wrong and take the Bible and not what you think or feel but you take the Bible, I dare you to teach me otherwise. That that's not the message of the Bible. It's always been about a people. God promised Abraham he would make a people from him. It was a people that were brought out of bondage under the Egyptian bondage. It was a people that walked through the sea on dry land. It was a people that wandered in the wilderness together. It was a people that were brought into the promised land and crossed through the Jordan River. It's always been about a people. 
It's always been about God's people. And this is how God intends this for those that He has saved by grace and through faith in Christ to live out their faith with people. In the book of Acts, they counted people. They gave those numbers. The letters of the New Testament were written to local churches, almost all, and even the ones that were written to individuals affected the whole church. The book of Revelation were written to seven churches, local bodies, people, the community of Christ, the church, connected in Christ Jesus and Him alone. This is how God has decided for us to live out our faith with one another in Christian community called the church. Christ has connected us for a reason and for a purpose in the time in which we live now. To be a new person with a people. People that have also received Jesus Christ by faith through grace. I want to tell you my greatest joys in life, certainly my family, but... Two of my great joy, my greatest joy is that I'm not an alien or a refugee spiritually, but I've been given by the grace of God access to God the Father through Jesus Christ by the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, I'm a Christian. But my other great joy has been the church. Now, I was raised a pastor's son. Yes, there were some thorns along the way, still some thorns. The church isn't perfect. Never will be until Christ returns. But the roses have far outweighed a few pricks on the thorns. Far outweighed. The sweetness of the rose, the beauty of the rose, has far outweighed a few thorns along the way. D.L. Moody, the great pastor and evangelist and teacher of God's Word of the uh, 19th century, wrote this. It is important for a person to be a member of some church. He said, I believe that the best people in the world and the best people during the last 6,000 years have always identified themselves with God's people and taken their stand. He said, I believe it is the best institution under heaven. I believe that today, even with all its flaws, even with my sin, my missing the mark, and you missing the mark at times, we're still the body of Christ. We're connected in Christ, and it's still the best institution under heaven. When we say we're in Christ, we need to identify with the people of Christ. You're doing that this morning. You're making a statement by your faith and attendance here this morning to the world that is living around us. You see, God redeems us and gives us access to Him, not just to be an individual or a lone ranger, but to be with the people of God. What a glorious and blessed privilege and gift. God's connected us together for this time. We're connected in Jesus Christ as community to carry out the commission that He's given. Can I say this today? Identify with God's people and 
take your stand with God's people and live connected through Jesus Christ.